before dawn, milk cows work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, wow, we have a lot of, a lot of audio clips to uh, share with you today. And uh, uh, we're going to start off with, um, I guess we're going to start off with the Pfizer thing. But there's a lot of stuff we're going to play that we didn't get to yesterday uh, regarding some you know, candidate uh, statements and and things like that. Things are heating up. I mean, but Joe Biden had this interview on uh, with Jake Tapper, I guess it was on CN- the new CNN. They're they're calling it the new CNN. Um, so, you know, it's kind of interesting because they left a lot of questions unanswered uh, on that interview, uh, despite the fact that. Uh, um. Joe Biden had a cheat sheet that he dropped, kept kept dropping, mumbling his words. Um, MSNBC also had an interview with uh, Fetterman, and Fetterman was reading off of the screen because he has this stroke symptoms, and he's not given a medical exam or a test. He's not given a, uh, I don't believe that, no, they didn't have a debate. And, um, you know, so it's just, Democrats, you know, they're constantly hiding their position. They're always hiding their position because they're ashamed of it, because they know that they're not representing the people. How are these monsters getting elected? How do they get elected when all they ever do is run from the press? Remember Donald Trump held those chopper pressers? He was just gave the press all the time they wanted. He had Full access, full transparency to the press. Didn't get involved in the investigations despite the fact that the complete alphabet soup of Washington, D.C. was after him, trying to get him. Uh, you got uh, Tulsi Gabbard. We were, for, we were early on that, weren't we? We played Tulsi Gabbard yesterday, um, resigning from the Democrat Party. There's a lot of talk about 
whether she'll run as an independent, whether she'll be the Ross Perot of 1992 when Herbert Walker was a shoe in to beat Bill Clinton. And then all of a sudden, all along, uh, all of a sudden comes Ross Perot. And that's what paved the way for the Clintons. So the Clintons actually can thank Ross Perot for their, the, what they are today. They owe it all to Ross Perot. That's kind of an interesting little dynamic. People don't think about it like that, but that's actually true. Because if you take a look at the Ross Perot um, votes and where he took his votes from, he took them from Herbert Walker Bush because there was a lot of conservatives back then that didn't like the New World Order agenda, that, that didn't like the Great Reset or the Henry Kissinger politics. They didn't like any of that. We're going to play another clip that's going to um, talk about how Klaus Schwab, Henry Kissinger, and David Rockefeller are all part of the same part, uh, peas in the pot, same pot. Globalism. It's the worst thing that's ever hit the world. Vladimir Putin has to deal with it. American citizens have to deal with it. Ottawa truckers have to deal with it. The revolutionary uh, protests in France have to deal with it. The uprisings across Europe have to deal with it. They don't represent the people. And Katie Hobbs, she was uh, hijacked pretty much by by Project Veritas and ran from the press so quick, she knocked her soda down and, and everything. She said... She doesn't talk about politics to people she doesn't know. <laughs> That's what she said on tape. She said it on tape, folks. I mean, think about that. She's in politics for the public people that she doesn't know. And she doesn't want to talk about politics because she supports late-term abortions. She supports infanticide. See, this is the problem. The only one issue that they're winning on right now is the one issue they won't explain their position. If you were to ask Jean-Pierre, Green Jean-Pierre, about Biden's uh, position, whether it's 15 weeks, 20 weeks, what is it? Where do you stand on abortion? Of course, the answer is going to be infanticide, which has about 0% support in America. But yet, that's what they represent. That's what they support. Uh, A woman's right to her body and her choice goes all the way up until infanticide. She can kill her baby, which is insane, right? Nobody supports that. But the press won't hold them accountable. Where do you stand on abortion? And as soon as they answer that question, they lose that issue too, folks. They lose that issue too. They're already getting trounced with respect to the economy and inflation. Those are the two big issues that people care about the most. It's the economy, stupid. Didn't James Carville say that in 1999? I think that was was Bill Clinton. And uh, no, it was actually 92, perhaps. He was probably running uh, in New Hampshire, and he was losing his first primary. And that's right. James Carville goes way back, long in the tooth. So 
Check this out. Watch. Okay, so Pfizer executive Janine Small. Already PayPal's taking a dump. Trust me. PayPal is getting screwed. And rightfully so. They're losing... They're losing... They're losing thousands of $2,500 penalties right now. It's, a, it's uncanny. They're losing their butts on this. But let's take a... Pfizer executive Janine Small admits to EU Parliament that Pfizer... Now, this is going to come as a shock, folks. No, not to you, not to us. <clears throat> we knew all along, didn't we? Janine Small admits to EU Parliament that Pfizer did not test the vaccine for preventing transmission of COVID prior to it being made available to the public. Small says, we had to really move at the speed of science. We had to do everything at risk. Now, I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday. He called me out of the blue. I hadn't spoke to him in a while. He used to have a show on our our, our, our network. And um, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. We still keep in touch. Uh, he, he's, uh, he used to live in Chicago, and, and, and now he lives in Florida. And, um, and he's a black guy, great conservative, great guy. And... Um, in any case, I uh, was sh- shooting the crap with him yesterday, and uh, he tells me that he had this heart condition. I said, do you think it's COVID-related? He said, I don't know. He said, but I said, well, what's wrong with your heart? And he said, <clears throat> spiked proteins. He said, so they got me on some medication. And before I even got the words out, I said, so who makes the medication? Before I even finish the who makes the medication sentence, he said Pfizer. <laughs> Pfizer makes this this spike protein uh, drug to counterbalance the protein spikes that are impacting his heart in a negative way. Think about that. That's covering your bases, isn't it? Right, Pfizer puts out a drug, a vaccine they didn't even test. I actually still think it could be saline, but it's doing too much damage to be saline. I don't know what it is, but I think the vaccine had a patent before the vac- before the actual COVID virus ever came out. That's that's the thing. If you do your research on this, there's some weird patent dates that don't make a lot of sense. It's like, how did you know that the pandemic was going to happen with a COVID-19 kind of, you know, SARS-CoV-2 kind of spike, uh, spiked virus, right? Those thorny spikes coming out of the virus. And how did you know it was going to be, in, you know, genetic and not coming from nature, a byproduct of gain of function? How did you know all that? And it didn't work effectively, but they made a lot of money and the head of Pfizer was directly in bed and connected with Larry Fink from BlackRock and Klaus Schwab, you guessed it, from World Economic Forum. And so 
you know, you're like, where is this World Economic Forum? They're acting like they're their own government. And it's scary because they don't represent anybody. They represent nobody but the rich. They set the agenda for corporate coercion. Yeah, that's right. I I didn't miss words. Corporate coercion. Extortion. If you don't play, if you don't pay, you don't play. It's coercion. If you don't do what we tell you to do, you won't get access to this world market. And that's exactly what PayPal was faced with. That's exactly what these heads of state have been faced with. Whether it's Imran Khan getting ousted out of Pakistan or whether it was George Maloney selling out and showing support for Ukraine when she probably didn't um, when uh, regarding the Russian annexation of those four regions. She came right out, first matter of business, and rejected Russia. And Russia then cut off their oil. Is that good for Italy? No. It was through the Austrian pipeline, but nevertheless, um, their country got hurt by that. They have to take one for the team. Who's the team? The European Union. This European Union that endorses this, uh, you know, all of this um, nonsense. What do they call it? They call it, uh, let's see. You can now get a degree in diversity, equity, and inclusion so you can better understand why trees, bridges, and just about everything else is racist. It will cost you about 48000 a year, and in a few years, you can whine about your student debt. Bravo. So the school of Wharton School of Business, diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, is all part of what the corporate agenda is about these days. And they've been doing it and grooming this for the last... It's all about regulation and controlling people and their behavior. Soon it'll be their speech. Just like we've seen evidence that there's been collusion between PayPal and Wells Fargo, for example. And so, you know, they want to control your money. And they want to control your speech. And they want to fine you $2,500. So people rejected that to the point... Where, you know, some people are suggesting that was a test. It was a trial balloon to see how the the uh, public would react to the PayPal. But Pfizer's no, no different than PayPal in terms of wokeness, in terms of this diversity, equity, and inclusion, and their embrace, embracing of Klaus Schwab's uh, endeavors. But let's take a listen to this. Uh, watch as Pfizer uh, uh, executive Janine Small admits to EU Parliament that Pfizer did not test the vaccine for preventing transmission of COVID prior to it being. So this is the thing they mandated and stuck in our arms. The same thing that didn't work, that didn't stop the spread of the vaccine right there. There should have been the end of the argument right there. But they still... Required that you have a vaccine or you couldn't go to the Griffin Observatory in California, for example, or all these other things. They still said you you need a vaccine or you need your papers or you need this to walk into this restaurant and blah, blah, blah. It was all 
a lie. Just like the Russian hoax was a lie. Just like the Ukrainian call was a lie. Just like anything that goes against the MAGA movement, the America First agenda, which is a non-globalist agenda. It's a bilateral agenda. It's a nation-first agenda. And anytime you support that, the globalists will actually ruin your life. They're worse than Hitler. And the people that support them wear their nice Ivy League suits and they don't look like Hitler, but they're just as evil. They're just as intolerant. They're just as um, demonic. And we see it in our universities, in our editorial boards, in our newspapers. We see it in Hollywood and the reflection that's coming up on the screen or what we hear in our music today. We're seeing it from all angles. And it's grooming. And people are subjected to this. Do you know that there's been a huge increase in spike about gender uh, gender confusion? among uh, our adolescents because of what they're programming them in school? You know, there's so much to this, it's, it's unbelievable. But let's take a listen to this Pfizer uh, exchange because hearing is believing. Let's take a listen. Um, and then we're going to hear a follow-up to this. And then we have a guest at the bottom of the hour, so uh, it's all good. All right, here we go. Where I would like a clear answer, please. So there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer. Yes or no? And I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. I think our Dr. Boudla, even though he's not here, would turn around and say to you himself, uh, if not us, then who? Um, Dr. Boudla actually felt the importance of what was going on in the world. And therefore, as a result of that, we actually um, spent $2 billion at risk uh, of self-funded money from Pfizer to be able to manufacture, as it, well, first of all, research, develop and manufacture at risk to be able to make sure that we were in a position to be able to help um, with the pandemic. And, uh, and I think that's why I feel very good when a recent paper um, from the Imperial College stated that in the first year of the rollout of, of vaccines, um, we saved... Uh, four million people. So from that point of view, I feel that uh, actually we were there when the world needed us to be able to make sure that we were able to help people around the world with um, with vaccination as well as now oral oral treatment. I would hate to imagine 
what situation we would be in in the world right now if companies like us did not take those risks, did not um, do clinical research and developments at scale uh, in order to make sure that we could have a vaccine that we could roll out um, to the world. So I really I understand your frustrations. I really do. But I also hope at some point somewhere you also do appreciate what um, pharmaceutical companies have done in order to be able to roll out and deliver vaccines at such speed and scale. Well, no, I would like to, I would love to have had the opportunity to not be force fed something that wasn't tested because I don't believe for a second what she just said. I don't believe it because we don't, we, we will never know what the impact was because they didn't have a, um, a control group. And that's, you, you remember that, right? We were like, where's the control group? How are we going to know the efficacy of this vaccine? She just made that up out of whole cloth. It's absolutely absurd that she would get away with that, saying that. But she, she's right, she has a right to say it. So this guy named Rob Bruce is the one that a- 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 answered uh, this uh, question. And, um, and we, we can't take a call right this moment, um, but we do, we do have a guest coming down at the bottom of the hour. Um, so uh, forgive me for that. Um, here it says, breaking, in COVID hearing, Pfizer direct, director admits vaccine was never tested on preventing transmission. Let's take a listen to the follow-up to that piece. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch prime minister and health minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport the COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking, even criminal. Please watch the video until the end. Voor u, mevrouw Smol, heb ik de volgende vraag waar ik een duidelijk antwoord op wil. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Okay, that part we just heard. So, in any case, um, you know, he was... He was dumbfounded by the whole thing, right? But that's uh, the case. Now, here's the thing. These, all these people are connected with the World Economic Forum and the, Interna- the National Monetary Fund and the United Nations. Well, let's take a listen to this quick clip of uh, the UN and unelected WEF signed a cozy agreement to accelerate forcing, th- forcing through the 2030 Agenda on its 193 member states with no democratic mandate from citizens. Let's take a listen. This afternoon, the Secretary General and Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, will will witness the signing of a memorandum of understanding on a strategic partnership between the UN and the World Economic Forum, which outlines areas of cooperation to deepen engagement between the two institutions and to jointly accelerate the implementation of the 2030 agenda. They're standing there as if they're a government unto themselves. They're not. The guy actually 
Klaus Schwab has two big, huge mansions, carbon footprint a mile long, uh, so he doesn't have to walk among people to go to work and in, in the Geneva area, Davos area. But the point is, is, is that they're affecting 193 member states, countries. So the United Nations ought to be abolished and thrown out of our country and just shut down. It's a waste of money. And it's a, it propagates a liberal, socialist, globalist agenda. And it's all about financing the other side, the side that's anti-American and not useful. And so what we need to do is we need to shut down the United Nations and we need to absolutely ignore, ignore the World Economic Forum as an organization that's corrupt to the hilt. They're like a mob boss type of thing. And you mentioned... Now, um, here's, the, here's the or, one of the origins of it. David Rockefeller admitting Henry Kissinger was his protege, and Klaus Schwab admitting Henry Kissinger was his mentor. Let's take a listen. And, uh, David um, Henry Kissinger, and I think he first uh, was noticed by the Rockefeller family after he um, wrote a, um, a very erudite work on uh, nuclear weapons and nuclear war back in the late 1950s. Nuclear Wilson's and foreign policy. Right. Too, yes. It was then published. And uh, from that time on, he became pretty close to the Rockefeller family. Well, he did. Um, actually, I guess I was the first one who got to know him because uh, he was a member of an organization called the Council on Foreign Relations in New York. Now, that is David Rockefeller talking about Henry Kissinger. Let's take a listen. And there was a, a study group at that time that he, as then a uh, young instructor at Harvard, uh, presided at. I was so impressed by him that uh, I introduced him to my brother Nelson, who was then governor in New York and was then considering uh, seeking the presidency of the United States. They became great friends, and actually, uh, Henry was, became Nelson's foreign policy advisor as long as he was in public life. And I think is one of the remarkable international statesmen in the world today. Even 30 years after he was Secretary of State, he is still asked by heads of state when he travels the world uh, for, their, for his advice. Let me by the way, that was David Rockefeller. He's the grandson of John D. Rockefeller, founder of Standard Oil, who uh, was really the reason for the Antitrust and Sherman Act. Um, and he was also responsible for the uh, creation of um, the, uh, the uh, World Trade Center back in 1970. But uh, now we're going to pivot to Klaus Schwab. Let me go back to the time you said when this you came Klaus here. Schwab. It transformed your life. Was there a course, a professor, who really made that difference for you? Yes, uh, there was um, one course, one seminar of um, Henry Kissinger, um, which really opened my eyes. I wasn't accepted to the seminar, but I sat in. I think he let me in because I was German. And... Uh, and it was relatively shortly after the war, so there were not too many Germans here. And uh, this created a friendship which has um, 
uh, endured until today. And uh, you know, uh, Henry has been several times in, in Davos. Um, and I think it was mainly uh, participating in his seminars that I developed my interest for geopolitical affairs. And you mentioned... Yeah, that's how it all started, folks. <laughs> So uh, right now we have a our guest on at the bottom of the hour today. At this would be Captain Kevin Smith, uh, author of the book Sonic Warrior, and a good friend of mine, and a friend of the network and the station. And I want to thank uh, Kevin Smith for joining us today. Welcome. Well, good morning, uh, Scott, and uh, thank you for having me. Uh, this is an honor. How are you? I'm doing all right. So, uh, yeah, you said, you know, I, I saw photographs and, uh, you know, some news stories about your speaking out in, at, at the Midway uh, last month. I guess I was in Hollywood and you were in San Diego and I was trying to, I was trying to work out a way where I could get down to see that event. Um, tell us about a little bit about what, what went down on the Midway about a month, a little over a month ago. Yeah, well, that was a that was a great event. Um, uh, now the uh, you know the big story for that uh, for the Midway that that is an aircraft carrier museum. So the USS Midway uh, is an aircraft carrier that is now uh, a museum and it's located in San Diego, California. Very famous uh, museum. Uh, there's a number of aircraft carrier museums across the country now, so it's not a, it's no longer a new idea, but it is, it is a great idea, uh, and they have uh, they have this uh, this aircraft carrier which is no longer active, but it is serving as a museum now, and on Pier Six, uh, right there in the bay, uh, in San Diego, and. Uh, they do a, a events. Uh, they will have, or the museum will actually uh, uh, allow private events to occur uh, every so often. So they do events. Uh, this was the first uh, book launch event they've ever done. So we were kind of <laughs> we're kind of breaking new ground here, Scott. We 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 had this. I had this uh, this. Uh, you know, half crazy idea. As you know, I'm kind of a out of the box thinker anyway. So I thought, well, let's do a book launch event for my new book aboard the Midway because my new new book is is about uh, carrier aviation and being a Navy fighter pilot, and it's uh, it's essentially my story of uh, my involvement as a uh, Navy fighter pilot over. Uh, long period of time. Well, you were part and, of that. Uh, top, you were part of that Top Gun community, right? Yeah, yeah. I was at the. I was at the ground floor of that, so I was involved uh, at at the early stages of the Top Gun initiative. A Top Gun initiative uh, included uh, the Navy Fighter Weapons School, but also other related things that were going on. There was a lot of stuff going on during that period of time in, uh, in uh, naval aviation, a lot of stuff, a lot of, in terms of uh, we were, we were rethinking a lot of, of, 
assumptions that were made that happened to be uh, not correct. Okay, uh, we were um, uh, pretty. And what was going on, and, and this was probably the most fascinating part, in my view, of naval aviation as well as military aviation is, and I, and I cover it pretty extensively in my book, The Sonic Warrior. Uh, what was going on was a grassroots initiative, right? Uh, it's not always addressed that way, uh, I would say that, uh, most of the historical treatments of that era uh, are um, uh, relatively incomplete. Uh, does this sound like I'm being critical of uh, aviation historians? Uh, I, I guess, I guess, in a way, you could say that I am. Okay, uh, uh, since I was uh, actually there. I had boots on the ground during that period of time. Uh, the The history was uh, was incomplete. The big thing here was it was a grassroots initiative, and that's exactly what we need today. Okay, uh, we are not. Well, we should not be waiting for the knight in shiny armor to come by and rescue us from. Uh, this uh, crazy world that we live in. Uh, now we you're in Arizona, to... right? You're you're in Arizona. So you you're in Arizona, right? Don't you live in Arizona? No, I'm no, I'm, I'm in Mesquite, Nevada. Nevada. Right now. Okay, so you got yeah. you got the Laxalt situation going on. Correct. Right. 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 Correct. Right. Yes. Right. And you know, and uh, the the point of. The point of the book, the point of the book launch event was that uh, we have got to uh, understand that part of uh, human history and to learn from it. So we were actually, we were successful against all odds and, by the way, against what is often called the military-industrial complex. Which okay, Tulsi we Gabbard's been talking of, quite a bit about, you know, she yeah, always brings up the yeah, yeah, yes, and and that's coming up again. We were warned about that by uh, President Eisenhower, uh, and then uh, after that warning, uh, which which fell on deaf ears, by the way, uh, then we had the Top Gun initiative come up, which was a grassroots initiative. Uh, that was designed to solve a very serious problem. The very serious problem was, and I discussed this in my book, Sonic Warrior, quite extensively, mm -hmm. was that, was that, that the military industrial complex came up with this, these great advanced weapon systems. Okay. And, uh, they're often called air to air, uh, missiles. So missile, technology, kind of like now we're talking about AI technology, same thing. Same thing is happening. You know, history is repeating itself because we didn't really understand the lessons that we learned during the initial Top Gun era. Uh, so exactly the same thing is repeating itself. And so 
So the book, book launch event on the Midway was basically an announcement to the world, okay? An announcement to the world, which is we better understand, clearly understand what was going on here and what was what did the grassroots initiative accomplish and was it successful the answer is yes mm -hmm. it was okay it became wildly successful against all odds okay so it's a very small group of active fighter pilots changed the course of history Wow. Right. Yeah, well, that's we what they can, say. We, that's they, right. They that's often right. We say can do a small, that group, a small right. group, it doesn't take a majority a to, change, to make great changes. No, 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 it doesn't. You know, it, no. And this proves it, right? This is not theoretical, right? So you, you often get these theoretical discussions and stuff like that about, about um, you know, project management or management science and stuff like that. This is not theoretical. This has actually happened. This is real world stuff, all right? A small group of people changed the course of history dramatically. And changed, and right? uh, where can the folks um, where can the folks uh, read up about this? Because you have this in your book, Sonic Warrior. Where can they get go out and get your book? Well, it's available everywhere, Scott, uh, all over the place. Uh, all the major book outlets uh, cover it. Uh, so you can go to any bookstore in the country. You can go to any website, uh, any retail outlet. Uh, I, I just came back from a big uh, book expo uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. I was there. And where are you going to uh, be promoting next? Promoting my book. Uh, I'm going to be, my next event is, uh, there, I have a museum event in, uh, in Los Angeles in November. So I've got a, another big event going on in November and in, in, uh, in Southern California. I know uh, we keep so, in touch and you're always traveling from one place to the other at these, uh, different events. And I remember, uh, the first time we met, you can't, you and your lovely wife came out to, uh, the D.C. area, and we took a tour of the uh, Aeronautical Center, uh, the Space Museum, and um, I guess it was a space, or what was it? What was that in Dullis? What was the name it of was uh, uh, the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. Yes, and we actually went to one of the planes, and you know, you say, I used to fly a type of plane like that. Um, well, this was actually the actual plane that Captain Kevin yeah. Smith yeah. Flu. Yeah. The actual right. one. The actual yeah. metal. <laughs> so that was pretty amazing. Yeah, and then and and that that brings some uh you know uh, that that essentially and, and we did this on the midway as well because there was a, there was an airplane um uh there is an airplane in that museum that I flew as well. Uh but it but it it makes it turns that airplane to life, right? So it, right. it gives it a it, it gives it a lively um, uh, representation because then it becomes real, right? So you're saying what what is it about the airplane that I should know that I don't? And the answer is 
we should know a lot more about the pilots who flew it. Right. Okay. And and that's not that's not addressed adequately enough by uh, the aviation museum industry is like the Midway and the Midway right. trying to correct Midway's trying to correct that. Right? That's so correct. They're, uh, they're at the leading edge. They are now trying to address themselves to the fact that, okay, you know, we, we really need to address ourselves to who actually flew these airplanes. Well, you know, a good example of that, a good example of that is uh, when you see the movie Top Gun uh, uh, Maverick, right? The the sequel to Top Gun. Um, You see the old F, well, I don't know what it was, an F-14 or an F-15 or something like that, or an F-16. F-14, yeah. F-14, and he was going against today's planes, and somehow he found a way to start the engine and you know, and and uh, do some damage, and make that old plane work, even though it was outmatched. Um, but it's it's definitely about also the experience of the pilot, and uh, the creativity of the people that you know have made these programs really take flight. Yes, and 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 once again, they're trying to the the movie is. Uh, is uh, a little bit subtle, but but directly criticizes what's going on today. Yes. Okay. Takes a takes a, <clears throat> a, a a major a major shot at the thinking that is going on today in military aviation. The fighter pilots do not believe that the thinking is correct. Yeah. Right. It's exactly the same thing that we had when we started Top Gun all back in the late 1960s. Yeah. Right. As when the Top Gun initiative began, it was all grassroots. It was exactly the same problem. We just, we right. did not learn our lesson. We didn't learn it. All right? right. Why right. did we, I don't know. Scott is like, well, you know, the military industrial complex is a powerful lobby. All right. And it's captured everybody and turned them into, yeah. you know, uh, turn them into intellectual drones. Yeah. All right. And, 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 and the fighter pilots are saying, okay, you know, so, uh, stop it. All right. All right. Stop it. We're tired of trying to teach you, you know, that you're on the wrong path. Okay. It is not about the plane. It's about the pilot. How many times was that said? In the Top Gun movie. Oh, yeah. It was, that's, exact, yeah. That, that's exactly what the Sonic Warrior is all about. Right. Absolutely. Okay? And it's the, not about the, it's, it's about the pilot. It is about those people that can think critically under pressure. Absolutely. And that's what your right. show is about. Right. You have a show on Red State Talk Radio yeah. on the weekends. Tell us when that that's airs right. and how that's people right. can get, get a hold of your show. Well, uh, both both channels uh, on uh, and both days on the weekend, Saturdays and Sundays on the Justice and the Liberty Channel. Uh, it it airs uh, uh, both days on both channels. All right, so it's and it's in the it's uh, early evening or late afternoon, depending on the time zone. Yeah, uh, and and so we have a we have a weekend show. All right, so it's every week. 
Uh, it's also a podcast as well. Well, you how do you get there? It. What is your web address? Uh, well, a podcast actually is available uh, almost everywhere. I think six podcast platforms are carrying it now. The show is called more. Throttle Up, folks. Throttle Up? Yeah. yeah. Throttle Up. And, and uh, our, our website is throttleupradio.com. So you can go there. And uh, we've got the archives of all of the shows. You can go there. So the throttle up is all about critical thinking when, when, uh, when it really matters most. All right, that's what throttle up is all about. Wow. Sonic Warrior is is an example of how that kind of thinking actually became not only successful but actually change the course of aviation history directly. All right. So there's a few places in any, you know, in any domain where you can say that the course of, of history of this particular domain was, was uh, significantly changed by human intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this, this is true in aviation as well as any other industry. You can look at it and you look at the med- medical industry and stuff like that. And often a single person comes up with a breakthrough idea. Wow. Okay? As, as it happens across the board. This is an explanation of not only what happened to aviation, but also how did it happen? Okay, so we take a look at that. It's actually a pretty important thing for us to understand it with respect to what's going on today in the world. Yeah. We, we, and it ought to give us some uh, measure of encouragement, Scott, that, that yes, we can change the course of human history, right? We can do that. Yeah. And, we, and we, need, we need to do that again. So we can use that as a template. All right, and and aviation is a great, uh, it's a great arena to test out new ideas. And All the right. reason for that is because it it hasn't been around for very long. Yeah, you know when did we start flying airplanes as humans? Not very long ago, right? right? You know, and and carrier aviation, that's kind of like a new thing too. All right, so carrier aviation occurred a hundred years ago all right we are we are uh we, uh, we are celebrating the the centennial of aircraft carrier aviation and that's probably one of the reasons why we were able to get on the midway to have our book launch event because it right. was it, it was during the period of time that we were celebrating the centennial of carrier aviation. Well, you're a legendary and, fighter pilot, and, uh, you know, why yeah. wouldn't they want you on the midway? But, uh, hey, uh, um, Kevin, um, I really appreciate you ha- having you on today. Um, I want to thank you for spending some time with the Scott Adams Show. We've been speaking with Captain Kevin Smith. He was a fighter pilot. He's a top gun pilot. Uh, he has a book out called Sonic Warrior, and you can go to throttleupradio.com and find out more about Sonic Warrior and Captain Kevin Smith. 
who I know as a friend. And uh, I, I really want to thank you for spending some time with us today. You bet. Enjoyed it. Thank uh, you so all much. All right. Scott. Take care now. Bye-bye. Alrighty. All right. Well, that was something. Um, he is such a great guy. I met him. And, um, you know, hopefully you'll get to go to one of his book signings and uh, meet him as well. Great storyteller. Uh, really great guy. Great patriot. Um, all right. So I want to I want to I want to actually get to a couple of other um issues before we run out of Dodge. Uh, We talked yesterday about the Surgeon General in Florida who was censored. Uh, If people knew the truth earlier about the COVID thing, right? Now, we just heard heard Pfizer talking about how they didn't test. Now, let's take a listen to a real test by the Surgeon General of Florida being censored by Twitter and knocked off of Twitter. But you know, he really did a st- test, and he he gets filtered, whereas Pfizer gets the green light through social media. So yes. I ask people sometimes who are still, he- you know, hemming and hawing about this. This is uh, Dr. Joseph Lopato, Florida Surgeon General. He's a black guy, too. And uh, Democrats, you know, they're like right away want to attack him. But then they're like, oh, wait a second. We don't want to, you know, hurt our, our, our black vote that we get for no apparent reason. Um, But I'm finding and I'm seeing, you know, the Republican Party gaining ground in the black community and the people of color, Hispanic community, uh, and on and on. They could have their uh, flaky whatever uh, freak show uh, if they want that. But what we want are the real people doing real things. Let's take a listen to this. If this if this vaccine, if it had been known two years ago or so that this vaccine would increase cardiac deaths in young men by 84%, would they have approved it? The obvious answer is no, you would never give something to someone who was young and healthy and increase their risk of dying from from sudden cardiac death by 84%. But people are often, their response is, well, you know, I don't know, COVID's pretty bad. Yes, COVID can be terrible, but we don't give people medications that kill them. So I... (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense, right? Um, I wanted to uh, also make a correction um, for for myself. I, uh, I actually, you know... There's a lot of talk about Tulsi Gabbard, uh, and uh, Tulsi Gabbard explains why she... So she uh, left the Democrat Party, but is she an independent? Is she going to be a Republican? Is she going to run as an independent and play the spoiler like Ross Perot? Or is she going to be grooming herself to be a running mate for Donald Trump or even Ron DeSantis in terms of a VP pick? Who knows? You know, the question I have is, could she, could she as a VP pick pull uh, 10% of the Democrat center base over to the Republican Party? Who knows? If it's Donald Trump, maybe not. If it's Ron DeSantis, probably uh, more more likely. And that would be the, then the debate and the argument 
uh, within the race uh, for the Republican nomination. And I would love to see it. Donald Trump gets the, the nod. Ron DeSantis becomes the running mate. Um, and uh, for a long time, I said about Tulsi Gabbard that I, I'll never forgive her for voting to impeach the president. Because I remembered, I, I, I falsely remembered that every Democrat voted to impeach. It was like a rubber stamp. That turned out to not be the case. It was more like two people didn't. I think one of them was that Democrat that switched parties in New Jersey, uh, Van Dorn or something like that. And then um, Tulsi Gabbard, she voted present. So I was wrong about that. She did not vote to impeach President Trump. I think that's important to mention to, to, for, for her credit. Representative Tulsi Gabbard explains why she voted present on the articles of impeachment. Gabbard said she couldn't vote for the culmination of a partisan process fueled by tribal animosities that have so gravely divided our country. Well, she did say that um, she said that Trump is guilty of wrongdoing. Well, she probably said that to placate you know, to her bosses in the Democrat Party because Trump was not guilty of wrongdoing. So that was her only weak moment out of that whole thing. Um, I also have one more clip I want to play. This is former Newsmax host Grant Stinchfield says that Network wanted him to attack Tucker Carlson to try and compete with his ratings. Let's take a listen to this really quick before we head out of Dodge. So why would they cancel me. Why would they cancel Stinchfield? To this day, I don't really have a reason. They told me that I didn't make inroads, uh, ratings inroads, that is, against Tucker Carlson. And Tucker Carlson's doing 3 million people a night. We were doing 300,000. To me, actually, that's great inroads against a beast. I mean, Tucker Carlson is probably the best conservative talker on cable TV there is out there right now. And we were making strides against him, but Newsmax was not happy. We weren't making enough strides against him. So what did Newsmax want me to do to make those strides? Well, if you can believe it, they wanted me to go after Tucker Carlson. And that was the point. And uh, he said, how can I? That would only hurt me, Um, which doesn't make any sense. Newsmax has never been right. I've never been a big fan of Newsmax, I have to say. They even fired, uh, I forget the name of the journalist, for coming out and speaking the truth about COVID. They fired her. So, no, I have no forgiveness for Newsmax. Newsmax is as bad as the rest of them. And uh, you should take that to the bank. Um, In any case, that brings us to the end of the show today. Be sure to check out our new sponsor, Genesis Gold. You can dial 1-800-385-GOLD or 1-800-385-4653 to find out more about investing in gold. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.